1 chapter 5, verse 11 to 12, this is what the Bible says. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. Sorry, I'll read from the NIV. And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Sorry. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let's pray together. Our dear Father, once again we come to you. We are so thankful for your word. Thank you, God, that we can gather again together tonight to study your word. I pray that as we um, hear from your word, as we expound your word and discuss your word, I pray that you guide us and help us to understand the message of your word. I pray that you would be with us tonight. Help us to edify one another in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you remember last week, we talked about the testimony. We focus on particularly verse number six, right? This is he who came by water and blood, if you remember. And part of our discussion is what does it mean when the Bible says that Jesus came by water and blood. And of course, if you remember, we had a lot of good discussions. Some things that the word blood there refers to communion. Jesus said that this is my body and this cup is my blood. And others think that this speaks of um, the crucifixion. And as I have mentioned, that the evangelical church today mostly believe that Water and blood refers to uh, the physical birth of Jesus Christ. So what John really was saying here is that Jesus was a historical figure. He was someone who is born in the flesh. And very fitting from, from the background context, we know that John's audience was a church was plagued by Gnosticism and Docetism. But we are now in... Chapter 5, near the end of chapter 5, actually near the end of the letter, near the, the concluding remarks of the letter. So I, I hope that next Sunday we will finish our study of 1 John. So the concluding remarks is hopefully, Lord willing, next Sunday. So I, I want us to focus on these two verses before we go to the concluding remarks, right? So this is what John is saying, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And, and there's so many ways, again, to approach this text, and I want to approach this text this way. Since this is the concluding text of John, I want to say, I want to argue that what John is saying here is, this is the importance of my letter, right? So what he's trying to say here is, this is why my letter to you is important. So the importance of John's letter. First of all, because it concerns the truth. It concerns the truth. Now, previously we've talked about the testimony of God. And we've talked about how important the matter of receiving the testimony of God. Um, in verse number 
10, the Bible says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe, God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. Now here, the, we answer the question, what then is the testimony? What is the testimony? And the testimony, according to our text, is that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Now, this is very, you know, related to the message this morning. Um, Paul and John and the Bible really speaks of this idea of being in Christ. And, and we find that same theme here. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. This is in Christ Jesus. And for us to experience the eternal life that God has given to mankind, we must be in Christ Jesus. But the importance of John's letter is this. It concerns the truth. Really, what we have here in this text is God's message to mankind. God's essential message to man is that there is hope. We have sinned. We know this, right? Sin has entered into the world, but there is hope. There is eternal life. And this eternal life is in Christ Jesus. This eternal life is not something that we earn through our own efforts. This is not something that we achieve through our works, but rather through the gracious gift of Jesus Christ. And since it is through Jesus Christ, it is important then that we have a right understanding of who Jesus is. It's essential that we... we, we properly understand what the Bible says about who Jesus is. So John is not concerned about engaging in philosophical discussion. As I have mentioned before, some of the proponents of Gnosticism and Docetism were the great thinkers of his day. And John wasn't concerned in engaging in that conversation. He was concerned with the truth. And oftentimes in our day to day, you know, we engage pastors, we engage in debates, or we deal with issues in our churches. And the reason for that is not to be part of the conversation. The reason for that is because we have a conviction that there is an objective truth. We don't believe that truth is relative. What is true for you is true for you, and what is true for me is true for me. No, we believe that there is an objective truth. And that's the reason why we sometimes we have to be strong on some matters and sometimes we have to be lenient. But in any case, there is a truth. There is an objective truth. And John was concerned with truth. And that is why he wrote this letter. He wanted to clarify, he wanted to argue, he wanted to, to give assurance to, to this church, mainly because he was concerned with the truth. 
the truth about Jesus Christ, the truth about who he is, the truth about his birth, his death, and the truth about um, eternal life. Secondly, the importance of John's letter is, is this. It concerns our eternal destiny, right? So he, he's saying, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. So this is not really something that is arbitrary. You know what I mean? This is not something that is just an idea. These are not something that is that has nothing to do with us. Friends, our eternal destiny is at stake. And this is why you know it's important that we get the gospel right because the eternal destiny of a person is at stake. So John was mainly concerned in in the truth and secondly he was mainly concerned about the people in this church. He wasn't worried that they would transfer to a different church, right? And transfer membership or change denomination. He wasn't worried about that. He was worried that these people would depart from the true gospel. The gospel that Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, came to this earth, died for the sins of man. And whoever believes in him and trusts in him will have eternal life. That's what he's concerned about. He's concerned that these people, if they would reject the true gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, they would fail to, they would not be able to enjoy God's blessing, the benefit of the gospel, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus. It's interesting that up until this point, John would speak about the idea of witness, right? Witnesses. But in the previous verses, he would talk about witnesses as a person. Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Jesus Christ by, by water and by blood. But here, he speaks of a witness as a benefit. And that is eternal life. And this is the testimony that God, this is the witness that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in Christ Jesus. Now he's bringing another idea here. Not only Christ as a person, but what comes with Jesus Christ. And that is eternal life for you and I. And it concerns our eternal destiny. And thirdly, it concerns God. The importance of John's letter is, is something that concerns God. Because, see, the whole, if, if these things are not true, If eternal life is not true, if Jesus did not really came in the flesh to rescue man, this would 
completely alter God's character. If, if God would have destroyed creation after sin, he would have been justified. If God would not provide salvation for humanity, he would, have, he would be justified. Our sins deserve punishment. You and I have sinned against God, and what we deserve is punishment, really. But God, in His grace, provided salvation for you and I. It is God's gracious gift. And this alone speaks of God's character. It speaks of who God is. And, and John's letter, the importance of John's letter is all throughout this letter, this whole letter is a reflection of who God is, His character, that He is a God who is holy, a God who is gracious, a God who is merciful, and most of all, He is the God who decided to participate with us. He is the God who, who wanted to be in communion with man. Uh, we heard this morning this idea of union with God, union with Christ. The idea of being in Christ Jesus. And, and tonight, in uh, Joel quoted to us this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And while I was thinking about it, really this verse speaks of the idea of being in union with Christ. Because the Bible says, For our sake, He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin. So that in Him, again, there's that preposition in Him, in Christ Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So this verse really speaks of the idea of participation. God, who knew no sin, became sin. That is who we are. And then us, who are sinners, are made righteous in Christ Jesus. And John is concerned about the same idea that there is a hope for humanity. There is eternal life. And that eternal life is found in Christ Jesus. And this whole idea of hope and whole idea of salvation is a reflection of who God is. That He is a God who is gracious a God who is merciful, a God who is love, a God who desired participation with man. So, um, you know, I think these three things is speaks of the importance of, of John's letter. And another thing I think, just to, to add in this um, exposition, verse 11 and 12 really is one of those verses that, that speaks of the doctrine of assurance. As I have mentioned before in the beginning of our study, that one of the themes of this letter is the doctrine of assurance. And this verse, we've used it so many times in the Philippines. There's a very big religion in the Philippines that 
that teaches that you can lose your salvation. This is one of the texts that we go to to oppose that teaching. And it's very simple. It's very straightforward, very clear. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And this morning, Joe was emphasizing this. Do you, are you in Christ? Because really, it's that simple. If you are in Christ, you have eternal life. If you are not in Christ, you don't have eternal life. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So I think you know, it's, it's a clear, clear message about assurance. Thank you so much. So as always, this is our practice here. We, we have a short discussion afterwards. We have some time. And if you want to add something, share something about the passage, feel free. This is your time. Oh, yes. So you mentioned in the Philippines, there's a fairly large group of people that believe you can lose their salvation. Um, do you think that was because the Catholic Church or because of uh, a teaching of a Protestant mission worker? Just curious about that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, that's okay. Uh, so in the Philippines, this is, it's sad, whenever I explain this to American churches, it's sad because I've had pastors tell me that you only have common sense. You only need common sense to know that it's wrong. We have churches in the Philippines that thinks or teaches that your assurance of salvation is connected to your membership, church membership. So it, if you are not a member of the church, or if you, if you leave the church and transfer to a different membership, you can lose your salvation. And because of that teaching, this particular church has grown into millions, millions of them. Um, they're kind of universal in their ecclesiology, so they have one main pastor in the main island, and they have churches everywhere and they are it's like a centralized church so one church in different region and that's that's their teaching that's their idea and i know friends personally that are part of that church and they have a membership they have a membership there and if they transfer membership or leave the church, they can lose their salvation. And they believe that too. They believe that too. So it's really sad. Even here in the U.S.? Oh. Mm. That's sad. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. What's that? Yes. 
Yeah, that's what they believe. And, you know, to be honest, I think some of the people in the Philippines, knowing the, our context, it's beneficial for them to be part of a church like that. Um, it has some benefits applying to the universities or getting a job or something like that if you're part of the church because they have they've grown so much and they have become well known in the Philippines and they have members in the Senate, members in politics, str powerful businessmen, strong businessmen. So it's, yeah, it's it's sad. Just jump, jumping back to the um, verse um, 11, it says, you know, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. I'm um, thinking about like union with Christ and, and the relationship of that to salvation. I think a lot of times um, sort of like pop culture Christianity can be like, God gave Jesus, Jesus gives us eternal life. And so I just need to get like the eternal life as though it is disconnected from Jesus in some way. He's the giver of it perhaps, but like, uh, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to pray the prayer or whatever, and then I'm saved. That's what I really want. I just want the eternal life. Um, but when John says this eternal life is in his son, and if we think Trinitarian, like you know, Trinitarian thinking, right, um, the son is in the father. And so in that sense, you, you can't have eternal life without also having the son and having the father. Right? It, it's the whole package. Uh, it's not just like there's this, there's this gift disconnected from the giver. It's, it's all together. Thank you so much. That's really good. I think it's also interesting to note that the word give comes from the Greek word didomi. But the tense here is, it's a perfect tense. So previously, he used the word didomi. He has given us the Holy Spirit somewhere, I think, in chapter 4, that he gave us the Holy Spirit. And the idea there is that it's done. He has given us the Holy Spirit, but it remains in you. You have the Holy Spirit. And the same, in the same sense, the, whole, the eternal life that God has given us is in us. We have eternal life. We possess it. And another thing, too, is that the, word, the past tense idea there is that this is done. Eternal life has been given. It's been given, but it's in Jesus Christ. So if tomorrow someone receives Jesus Christ, there is eternal life because it's been given and it's in Jesus Christ. So it's a package, um, as Steve has mentioned. That's, that's really good. That's really, it's a great, great idea. Good thing to think about our salvation. We receive Jesus. We accept him. We embrace him. We say yes to him. And we have eternal life. Anyone else wants to add something? Some thoughts? Okay. I think we'll close in prayer. We can have fellowship. Our dear Father in heaven, Lord, we are so thankful for your word. Thank you, God, for Jesus Christ. 
Thank you that through him we have eternal life. And Lord, we long for that day where we will be with you forever and ever, beholding your face, enjoying your presence. We love you and we praise you. We thank you for this time. Be with our time of fellowship. Help us to bless one another, edify one another. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.